Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Recorded live from the lobby of the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C., You're listening to D.C. Public Library on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, David Quick, Adult Services Coordinator at D.C. Public Library. On today's Notes from the Library, I'm joined by Susan Benton, President and CEO of the Urban Libraries Council, and Rich Reyes-Gavalon, Director of the D.C. Public Library. Susan and Rich, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, David. It's great to be here. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yes, great, great to have you. And uh, Technically, you're a subordinate, but I'm scared to death. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, don't be, please. Um, so, uh, yes, Susan, you work with the Urban Libraries Council, which is a, 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 an association that focuses on the, the issues and needs and questions focused uh, around libraries and urban spaces, uh, mostly are they all public libraries? I guess they are. I'm going to learn a lot about ULC today. Um, I've gotten to work on some interesting projects with ULC, which is why I invited you both here to talk about it. But I'm going to start by inviting you to just talk about ULC, the mission, some of the things you're working on, and um, we'll go from there. Well, first, thanks for inviting ULC to be part of this. It's a really a, a delight. Yes. I'm particularly glad to be here with Rich because uh, he is the executive director of my hometown public library, mm-hmm. DC Public Library, so that's great. Right. Um, and also serves on my board of directors right now. So yes. it makes it very, very nice. And David, I've got connection to you as well. So it's all sorts of kinship here because you're involved with our entrepreneurship effort right Very now. much. But let me just back up and say a little bit about the Urban Libraries Council. Um, we're actually coming up on our 50-year anniversary. And the organization was started by uh, library trustees really just about the time when, unfortunately, there were a lot of riots that were occurring in our urban settings across the United States. And it was a recognition of those uh, library trustees from a variety of different libraries around the U.S. that said, God, you know, we really need to have a group that's focused on how the public library can be an essential asset in all of our communities, but particularly in those communities that are most challenged. So ULC for the last 50 years with a group of about 150 libraries like DC Public, but frankly, uh, the libraries that participate in ULC are the most progressive, both in the United States and Canada, with the intent of coming together and see how we can yet always up the, the work that we're doing. How can we better deliver programs and services to meet the needs, the unique needs of the communities that we serve? Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah, that was actually going to be one of my questions was actually how old ULC was. I Somehow in the work that I've gotten to plug into, I, I never heard the answer to that. So that's good to know. And I think, um, you know, a couple of years ago, we were really reflecting on 50 years of history in Washington, D.C. And I think as we look towards opening our central library, that question of what libraries do in urban spaces around uh, 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 50 years back is still very much alive and well, so maybe we can talk about that a little bit in a, in a, in a minute. Yeah, um, it definitely is. And you know, when I think about the three focus areas in which we particularly are targeting our work, it's on education. Mm-hmm. The public library is a really critical part 
of the local um, equation for excellent education for our children as well as for our adults. Um, it's digital inclusion because there's still so many people in all of our cities across the United States and in Canada who don't have broadband access at home. So they don't have any way to use the internet and maybe not, don't have a computer as well. Public libraries are the digital hub. Yes. And then our third focus area is um, making sure that we're contributing and catalyzing healthy, sustainable communities. And I think uh, public libraries just play an important role Right. quality of life, but making sure that we're addressing some of the very broad-ranging issues facing our neighborhoods. Right, right. Well, um, we can kind of move into talking about this entrepreneurship cohort that I've gotten to work on, but Rich, would you, as a, as a, as a board member, would you say anything else about DCPL's membership in the ULC and how we, how we work with them? Sure. Well, I mean, you know, I, I've been a part of ULC here in D.C. I was also, a, you know, an active member when I worked at the Brooklyn Public Library. So, you know, I can talk about the value that ULC plays for all library systems that are part of it. I mean, it is a uh, not only is it a think tank, it really pushes libraries to think differently. Um, it keeps us out of our comfort zone, which is good. Um, and it's also just an amazing uh, networking opportunity. I mean, anything that happens around the country, ULC helps us um, uh, have conversations. So it could be something as um, interesting and as unknown as the coronavirus. Just this morning, there were you know dozens of ULC directors online talking about what are your plans, how are you doing this. We were talking to King County. Um, Washington, where there is sort of the U.S. epicenter for this mm-hmm. um, uh, for this virus, and immediately I'm gaining knowledge about what to do um, in the event that we have to mobilize and change our services here in D.C. So, you know, Urban Libraries Council is just a phenomenal resource for um, for libraries all over North America, helping us um, just get smart and um, and keep up. Because there are so many good ideas, better ideas than we have, uh, frankly, resources for. And uh, I think that's really what ULC does is, is help us sort of um, think about what's next and, uh, and rely on the uh, wonderful wealth of knowledge that uh, the sort of the hive has in for libraries. Sure. For sure. And I think, uh, so my exposure to the ULC has mainly been through this project focused on entrepreneurship and kind of ULC taking the lead on getting public libraries together and thinking about how we support people making, creating businesses, uh, just doing better at businesses, whether they're starting it or just taking the next step. And so um, uh, a couple of years ago, we, we got accepted into work with this group where different libraries were thinking about particularly like marginalized groups and how the library could support them uh, with library resources. And that's been a lot of fun to go be with these other public libraries and you know, uh, in the public library world, it's easy to just kind of know about Brooklyn Public Library, New York Public Library, San Francisco, or hopefully D.C., but um, it's been really wonderful to be at that table with cities like Toledo and the Mid-Continent Public Library, which is uh, surrounding Kansas City, or um, the Baltimore County Public Library, like kind of still these urban spaces, but not necessarily the big, the big ones that we think a lot about, but they are doing a lot of really interesting, wonderful things that have been very helpful to me in my crash course of thinking about how to support um, entrepreneurs. But um, Susan, you've been at all those meetings. What, what would you say about that, that project and what, what's happened through it? 
well, if we go back to thinking about why do people use public libraries, mm-hmm. um, and also why do uh, why do cities uh, invest in public libraries? What's what's our purpose? And it is, I think, always that kind of institution of opportunity and possibility. Um, obviously, for all of us, whether I'm an individual running a household or I'm Mayor Bowser, I want to have a strong financial base. Um, yeah. And um, businesses, small businesses particularly, contribute a tremendous amount to our local economy. We were interested in the entrepreneurship initiative because we're, um, we kind of live a, a, a creed, if you will, uh, uh, making sure that we're leveling the playing field. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a race and social equity statement that really is the foundation for all of our work. Um, about three years ago, we started a conversation with the Kauffman Foundation. It's located in Kansas City. And at that time, the Kauffman Foundation was particularly interested in how could they be targeting those individuals who are non-traditional entrepreneurs, people of color, women, immigrants, uh, veterans, individuals who are returning from being in a justice system. Um, and really, I think they were looking for an entity that is consistent and found in every community. Uh, luckily for us, we met them at the right time, and we said, ah, that's public libraries. So um, we were delighted to begin work with them, and it really has been to how can we help public libraries be that on-ramp for people who are living in our neighborhoods who have a wonderful idea, high aspirations, but they don't know how to get started on a small business. So um, this has been a group of 12 libraries, both in the United States and in Canada, who truly want to up their game on this in this area. It's been a lot of fun over the last two and a half years, David, to work with you and others, seeing how you're uniquely going about working on entrepreneurship in your library system. Because each one of you have chosen a different path. Mm-hmm. Yes. What are, are there any standouts from some of the projects that we've seen well, let you. me just start with yours because I, I'm I'm very impressed. You were the you were the one library who applied to be part of this project that was focused on individuals who had been in the justice system before. Mm-hmm. You know, I think uh, the employment rate for people who have been in jail, or the unemployment rate, I should say, is 75 percent. You know, if you've been uh, in a situation where you've been in a jail, you've got a record. It's very hard to get a job. Yeah, these are people who have lots of great ideas and want to be productive. So if a library can be that starting point, that's a fantastic thing. So I'm really pleased with that, that approach that you've taken. In um, the city of Baltimore and Baltimore County, both of those library systems have come together and they've created an entrepreneurship academy, yes. which they, uh, this is on their third round of the Entrepreneurship Academy. If an individual's interested, they sign up for the Academy, which kind of makes a statement of their commitment to be part of the process. And over a 16-week period of time, the public library is providing programming, education resources, and uh, individuals who are coming in from the private sector as experts to talk about how do you start a small business Everything from licensing to uh, attracting capital to your business to just making sure you're financially literate so you can be having you know, a good accounting system. So all of those kind of foundational elements 
But the other part of it, I think, from what I've observed, is that wonderful kind of connection with individuals who look like you mm. are being successful mm-hmm. in starting a business. Right. Yeah. No, that's been good to see what uh, Baltimore, those two libraries are, yeah. are up to and how they yeah. kind of thought. In, in terms of coming away from those meetings and thinking about, you know, oh, well, what can we do? You know, we have a lot of be- wonderful public libraries in the D.C. metro area, but we don't really coordinate much with each other at all, even though we're all kind of in, in it together. And I come away from watching what they did up in Baltimore and thinking we, should, we need to do more of that. We yeah. need to kind of just join forces and... Um, pack more of a punch Um, yeah yeah Yeah, I think it gets to what which was saying that ULC has um, at its core is a network of of really very innovative leaders that are um, dedicated to doing really well by the citizens that they serve so you have people coming together with a lot of goodwill and good intentions and only good things can happen out of that for sure for sure Um, and so many smart just amazing librarians yeah. from all over the country. It's really a pleasure to be at that table with them. Um, Rich, you have to go and sit at the table with mayors and city councilors and people like that. What are what are they saying about entrepreneurship in Washington D.C. that uh, kind of we have to roll with once it's back at the library? Um, I'll put my ULC hat on right now <laughs> because uh, you know Susan regularly at our board meetings talks about her meetings at the like the League of League of Cities, and you ask more or less any mayor or city manager around the country what are their biggest concerns, and typically um, job creation and employment is in the top three. There could be education, there could be safety, but it's typically top of mind for every leader in the city. Mm-hmm. And if you've got job creation, you've got a tax base, you've got uh, and that and that trickles into you know a safer city and a and a more educated city. So it's it's just smart to invest in your workforce. Um, you know what I like about um, about being in D.C. in particular is that you know our leaders here, um, whether it's Mayor Bowser or great council members or even the mayor's staff, um, like uh, Rashad Young, our, our city administrator, who actually was on the on the ULC board some years ago. Mm. Um, you know they understand that uh, that that the D.C. public library and libraries in general are not what they were you know, 30 years ago. Right. Um, so it's not just a place where you're going to go in and get a book and have a seat. And increasingly, they're looking at us to help with, you know, larger issues that are that are um, uh, that are that cities are confronting. So whether it's entrepreneurship or something like um, uh, voter registration, which is something that we're doing right now. Right. We've got a, a yep. new um, coordinator of civic engagement. Yep. And the city couldn't have been happier than to fund that through the library because they know that we connect with people in ways that no one else can. Um, the census uh, is a huge issue for um, cities around the country right now. And the library uh, didn't need to get invited or claw its way to the table. Um, they were front and center. We are a key partner um, in the city's efforts to count as many people as humanly possible um, simply because we know that the hardest to count are those who are um, in areas that maybe only the library can reach. You know, sure. we, we talk about libraries being safe spaces, trusted spaces, um, and, and those qualities allow us to connect with folks that, uh, that government agencies otherwise may not be able to connect to. Right. So um, 
you know, this idea that the library is going to be a great space for entrepreneurship, I mean, it just makes perfect sense, especially, David, I, I mean, I want to congratulate you and the team at the library for, for choosing returning citizens um, as the, uh, the target for this project, because, um, you know, what was it, four or five years ago, we opened the library at the D.C. jail. Yeah. And it has grown by fits and starts. And it used to be this little sort of cart with a, you know, yeah. a few books here and there. Now we're doing tons of programming. We're really making deep connections, not only to the Department of Corrections, but the Office of Returning Citizens. And um, uh, you know, I had a meeting with the new director of uh, the Department of Returning Citizens. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, we've already coordinated a systematic uh, means by which folks who are getting out of uh, jail or prison uh, are connecting with the library on a regular basis through our great outreach um, and inclusion team. Yep. And the next step for us is then how do we get them um, working with our partners like uh, the Department of Small and Local Business and yep. others, how do we get them involved in something that is a bit more formal so that they come out and, they are, um, and they've got skills, uh, that, like Susan was alluding to earlier, that will put them in a position where they can they can start their own business. And frankly, because there are so many barriers to participation for, um, for returning citizens, in many respects, starting your own business is really the best option you have. So, um, so it's, uh, it's, it's just a thrill to be a part of. And you know, we haven't talked about what we'll be able to do once our, our Martin Luther King Jr. Memorial Library reopens in the fall, but that is really just gonna be a, a playground for entrepreneurship and, uh, and learning and education. So um, that is going to be a real incredible destination for not only um, you know, citizens from all, all walks of life, but even our city agency partners um, being able to reside in that building um, in our, our new community services center is going to be a real thrill to just sort of sit back and watch city agencies leverage our great spaces uh, for a public good. Absolutely, yeah. And you just mentioned three projects, the census uh, voting and our community alliance space, which uh, Diana Vega, our colleague, is kind of our, our civic engagement coordinator, and she's doing great work around all of that. Uh, three really hard, complicated <laughs> projects, so light a candle for Diana next time. <laughs> you know, Rich, you mentioned the, uh, the opportunity to start the, the work small at uh, the D.C. jail and that it's been building over several years. Uh, And I think one of the things that I so appreciate about the libraries that we work with is that opportunity to pilot an idea, to start something that's unique and different, that has not been done before, but it's in direct, um, direct response to a real need. When I began my work at the Urban Libraries Council uh, 10 years ago, a county manager that I'd done some work with in Florida uh, said, uh, you know, I'm, I am so impressed with libraries, and I'm so glad that there's more focus on libraries today because when I sit in my office in county manager or in the, the county administration building, I can look over at the county jail, which is about a half a mile away. And what I know is in that county jail, I have a full family. I have a grandfather, I have a father, and I have a grandson. And one of the common denominators among all of them is reading skills and not being able to read. And that's so fundamental to being able to be productive and hold a job. And at the time he said, I would so much more like to be investing in that family's education and not their incarceration. 
So I know that as you're doing work with people in the jail system, and particularly around entrepreneurship, but there's other elements to that too, which really encompass the whole human being. It's yes. seeing what else does this individual or what else does this individual and her or his family need. Yes. I mean, just the, you know, just to get um, really inspirational here momentarily, <laughs> just the, you know, the sense of dignity that um, that our libraries bring to people who may have very little other resources or spaces in which they can get that level of attention. Um, you know, you look at a city like Washington, D.C., where we've invested half a billion dollars um, over the last 11 years in just these phenomenal temples of learning. And you walk into these spaces and you feel as though somebody cares about you. And you've got a great staff that, you know, says good morning and they care about you as well. Um, so offering these these wonderful spaces and then sort of layering on some more of the intentionality like the, the entrepreneurship program or other things that we're doing to connect families and, and learning is um, I think it's a it's a it's a remarkable testament to um, I think the care that that the city has put into its um, into its residents and it really I think speaks profoundly to um, issues of equity and inclusion and it's just you know one of the reasons certainly that I wanted to come work here yeah, absolutely. And I'll, I want to ask more about what ULC does, but I'll say one more thing about the entrepreneurship cohort, which is that uh, we went into it very much thinking that our work in the jail would be kind of our starting place, that, that those relationships, which our, our jail librarian, Danielle, is uh, uh, just a model of. Um, and uh, I think we quickly realized that we really didn't know enough to go in and kind of hand that off to people who are in jail. But the partners who are already outside working on the people who are outside were our first kind of teachers and partners and connectors. And um, that really was, uh, we were lucky, I guess. I mean, there's something about D.C. that that was already happening. But once that kind of uh, relationship, and as we use that word ecosystem all the time when we're at these meetings, once we had kind of like put ourselves in that ecosystem a little more, now we can actually go back to the jail and say, here's what we're doing when you leave jail, when you come home, that where the library is that stabilizing force. Like that librarian in, in jail can connect you to a set of books about making a business plan and do that warm handoff to somebody in a branch library when they get out, as, long, as well as that, um, that array of relationships with like DSLBD and SBDC at Howard University, like that. I, I don't know, it was everything that was talked about at those first meetings, which was very new to me at that time, is is very much real and, and really not hard to access either. That's been a very fun part of it. Well, you know, I think that the nice thing you've just described is actually um, that we as libraries actually have to learn too. Mm -hmm. um, so hopefully we're helping people along with their education, but the process of doing our work every day is an education for us as well. So while we talk about being... Um, an institution for lifelong learning. Frankly, the only institution I know of that starts from, you know, when you're born until, you know, well into your retirement years. Um, that place is a spot where you can always go to learn something. Yes. So we are lifelong learning institutions, but we are in and of ourselves learning all the time. Yeah. And in part, it's from those individuals who are coming into the library who may be wanting something from us. And like, 
huh, never thought about that before. That's something new that we need to be involved with. But it's also looking outside of our library and holding hands with key organizations in our community and key city agencies. And, you know, I love this idea of the agencies and department of the city being located in the library. It, It makes us all more human when we're outside of an office and in a space that, as you really well described, Rich, provides a lot of dignity for the citizens of Washington, D.C. They deserve that respect and that dignity. Absolutely. Um, Well, before we move on to talk about South by Southwest, (laughs) Susan, are there any other things that ULC is focusing on that that you want to talk about? Well, certainly the thing about digital inclusion is really Mm -hmm. important. You know, um, a report came across my desk yesterday about... um, the big gaps that we've got in our country. And I know oftentimes we talk about those gaps, people not being able to access the internet, particularly in small rural areas. But frankly, it is just as difficult and challenging in urban areas. So, you know, I I, I think that's really important for us to acknowledge. And frankly, if we're going to talk about all of ULC's initiatives, uh, they all, in one way or the other, connect to digital inclusion. Mm -hmm. If you're an aspiring entrepreneur, you're going to certainly want to have a website. You're going to want to have uh, an ability to do social media. Um, And if you don't have fluency in digital skills, uh, you're really at a disadvantage. So being able to come into the library and gain access to the internet and to be able to take classes, get programming on new areas of mastering a Microsoft Word or an accounting system, uh, getting your GED certification online, that is amazingly valuable. I mean, the, the contribution that a library is making to the future of the city and to that individual by providing that is significant. So I think this area of digital inclusion is one that we're working on all the time. And technology is moving fast. Uh, yes. And so the ability for people uh, to know about some of those kind of day-to-day technological programs and services that we know about already, but also to have access to new technology. Uh, actually, maybe you all want to talk about <laughs> your makerspace and what's in that makerspace and why that's so valuable. Sure. Um, yeah, uh, Rich, what would you say about the makerspace and um, digital inclusion? I know as we open all these beautiful new buildings, kind of like, what that neighborhood needs around public technology is a little bit different, and we have to kind of tinker with it each time. So I think of that as a really interesting aspect of what we're doing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I typically shy away from the term makerspace because when I think of makerspace, I'm always thinking, okay, that's like, you know, one guy with a 3D printer and just doing this one, one sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But So what we're opening up in the lower level of the Martin Luther King Jr. Library is probably about a 15,000-square-foot sort of experimentation slash emerging technology lab that not only has some of your traditional maker equipment, but also um, the spaces and resources to feed a new creative economy. Um, It's got a dance studio. It's got studio space. It's got rehearsal space. It's got uh, woodworking space. It's got... um, Metal, metal fabrication. Metallurgy. It's got... um, (laughs) You know, a bank of uh, Apple computers that have, uh, you know, uh, the design suite. And so it is, um, it's more than a, a tinkering lab. It really is um, something that allows us to 
um, experiment with all sorts of new technologies and you know this idea around you know digital inclusion you know we understand that it's no longer just about you know how to use Microsoft Word and it's really also about how do we use all these other things that we may not know about or we may not be able to afford in an air in a in a building where it can be curated by staff and where there's a lot to learn on your own I mean it's just it's going to be a really remarkable space mm -hmm. um, and I'm forgetting about you know the memory lab where you go in there and learn how to uh, basically, uh, you know, digitize your own, uh, you know, obsolete formats uh, like photographs and yeah. audio tapes. Um, and the best part about it is that, you know, we, we've built the space and we know what it will look like on opening day. But I think based on the partnerships that we've developed, um, that space will take on new forms all the time. And, uh, yeah. and what's beautiful about that building is that it can really accommodate lots and lots of new uses at all times and not just down in the emerging tech space but even in all the co-working spaces and the meeting rooms and the classrooms i mean the whole building is just it's 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 a sort of a serendipitous kind of walk through this kind of really cool experiment in learning and that's sure. really what's exciting me the most about opening that space mm -hmm. yeah i think mir bowser uses the phrase that this is a city of uh inclusive innovation and uh, I think that, that Martin Luther King um, Central Library certainly models that, but frankly, the neighborhood models throughout the city are modeling that as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a wonderful phrase that uh, the, the gentleman who um, was a co-founder of uh, Fast Company magazine, Bill Taylor, used in its, um, are you learning as fast as the world is changing? And learning takes a lot of different forms, and I love that idea of being able to come into our libraries and be able to get exposure to things we've never thought about using before. Uh, and learning from either staff that are there with the DC Public Library, with a, a partner that we've got, with a fellow citizen who may know a little bit more than we know about that particular laser cutter or whatever it is. Um, that kind of collaborative creativity is exciting. Yeah, for sure. And I would say one other uh, kind of component of the lab services is our studio lab, which gives people access to audiovisual recording equipment as well as uh, editing equipment. And to return to all the entrepreneurship uh, work, uh, when as I've been trying to put the lab services in front of those people like DSLBD, to you know, bring them over to the the Fab Lab and say like, look at these things. Like, if you need to prototype something, if you need to, you know, learn how to use this technology, which you know, that's not always a, an obvious match to three D print something if you're trying to start up a food truck mm -hmm. or something like that. But what did turn out was that a lot of these small business people were already using the Studio Lab, and I didn't even know it. Like I was saying, you know, you can go create some media for your website and for your, you know, your. Uh, your presence online and, and people were like oh yeah we're already doing that and it's a good example of times when we don't toot our own horn enough where we don't even know the, our, our own success stories and um, so I'm that's because you guys don't tell me these things <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you now um, I'm happy to share I just need to know but I, mean, I, I think when MLK Library opens that will be uh a particularly fun connection is the studio lab and, yeah. and entrepreneurs. Um, um, you know, uh, there was the space in, was it Arlington, that closed a couple of years ago now, right? The, the tech shop. Okay. Um, 
and that was a place that people would go to. It was a subscription-based space, but you know, to my knowledge, there's nothing else like this right now in the city, and so I think it's going to be really, really well used. Yeah. Um, super, super excited about, and 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 frankly, we don't know how it's going to be used. You know, we, right. we can only make uh, estimates, uh, but I think it's going to be a just people will be going there. Um, in, in, in great numbers. Yes. It's going to be a great problem to have when we're oversubscribed. <laughs> um, I think so. And I know our, our colleagues that work in the Fab Lab are, are very excited. Um, yeah, you know, one of the aspects, too, I think that makes everything that we do so, so nice, even though um, we say these are free services, there is no entrance fee. Um, you, you don't have to pay a, a particular dollar amount to come in the door. It is absolutely... It has actually been the investment of the city in our citizens. And so there's no barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's a really important aspect of public libraries. There's no barrier to entry. And um, because of the, I think, of the values of public libraries, it's actually a delight and encouragement of all sorts of people coming in the door, real diversity happening, and being able to sit shoulder to shoulder with someone who you've never met before, but have that random conversation occur um, that opens that up a new pathway for you. Yes. And it's, uh, I mean, I think your point is well taken. It's not free. You know, I also bristle at that when people say, oh, you get all this stuff and it's free. You know, I think we're, we're undervaluing what we do when we just say everything is free. The fact is that, you know, our elected leaders and our citizens, by voting them into office, are making a very conscious decision that this is an investment that their tax dollars are paying for. Yes. And it's up to us to never lose sight of the fact that, you know, we're responsible for creating a return on that investment. So it can't mm-hmm. be, well, thanks for giving us this money. Now we're going to go, you know, just do what we want because we're the library and everyone loves us. I mean, and, you know, Susan, I give you a lot of credit for helping to inculcate that message around the country. It's like, no, you know, once that money comes to us, we have a responsibility to connect our work with the larger priorities of your mayor and of your city. And so, you know, I'm always asking how we can help the mayor because if she's successful, we're successful, and that creates this sort of um, this uh, sort of ongoing stream of success. Yes. And um, and I'm really, really banking on that 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 uh, emerging tech fab lab to be a uh, just a a destination for all this great growth that we're talking about. Yes. All right, fab lab team. No pressure. Yeah, get to work. <laughs> um, Go build something. <laughs> well, um, the theme of my last two questions is Austin, Texas, um, because uh, you're both about to go be on a panel, uh, travel, uh, working to go be at South by Southwest and talk about libraries. Um, but I think I know that each of us at different times has been at the Austin Central Library, which I will uh, – humbly state that I think is actually the most exciting central library I have been in lately and we'll see when I think I'll I'll change that to MLK when it's it's open but that building kind of represented what you were saying Rich was which was just this kind of endlessly interesting space to walk around and learn things and see things and um uh so I'm I'm curious what each of you have to say about central libraries in general and that what that that library or our neighbors in Baltimore, since they just reopened their historic building, um, what we learned from that. And also, what, uh, what will you talk about at South by Southwest? <laughs> sure. Well, in general, if you don't mind me starting, um, Susan, uh, 
you know, uh, I, I don't know if you know the um, scholar Shannon Mattern. Are you familiar with her? No. no. She lives in New York. She's written a lot about libraries. She writes a lot about other things. Um, I follow her on Twitter. But she wrote a great book maybe 15 years ago or 10 years ago on sort of the evolving central library, just, just what we're talking about here. I think it was really based on the sort of initial success of the Rem Koolhaas building in Seattle, mm -hmm. and then just talking about how central libraries are serving as these sort of you know, destinations for lifelong learning and all these other city services. So that was a great book that um, I probably have stolen and internalized a lot of lines from. But you know, <laughs> what, what I love about central libraries, and you know, we're, a minute ago, Susan, you had mentioned that you know, while our neighborhood libraries are beautiful and they're dignified, we're still limited, right? In 15,000 square feet of space or 17,000 square feet of space, when you're trying to serve everybody in your city, including people who just want a good book to read and require you to have 40,000 volumes in a building and a space to sit and some computers and also these sort of spaces in which people can congregate, you start running out of like learning labs and those sorts of environments really, really quickly. And so you know, what the Central Library does, it, it removes a lot of the pressure from the neighborhoods to have to uh, provide all these services. If you can centralize in, an, in a very, very accessible space, so the MLK Library, I always talk about the most accessible building in all of DC. It's mm -hmm. on every single subway line um, mm -hmm. without having to transfer. You know, you can probably reach, you know, millions of people when you include uh, Maryland and Virginia within 30 minutes and it's open seven days a week, and we're open till nine most nights, and so it is gonna be a space that people can get to very, very easily, and the fact is that um, uh, it, it's, it's, it checks the box on everything a central library does in the 20, 21st century. Um, it is a space for being, it is a space for learning, it is a space for eating soon, it's gonna be a space for developing your, your, your skills, it's gonna be a space for culture, it's gonna be a space for recreation, uh, you know, we're going to have a slide that takes kids down from the children's <laughs> room to the first floor. So it's going to be a space for culture. It's going to be a space for exhibition, you know, and I'm missing 10 or 11 other spaces. But there's not one thing that's going on in that building that somebody in the city won't feel as though that's a space for me. And that's yeah. exactly what we want to do. You know, that building has a real complicated history of, you know, it's not a very loved building, but, you know, that building is going to be loved. It really will. Sure. And, you know, hopefully that building will love, love you back. Yes. <laughs> and I think, I think uh, that I, what I will say about that, what I say to people about that building is that it was not taken care of as well as it. It was in, long overdue for some work. But, but I will disagree. I do think it is loved. There's a lot of people in D.C. who have just really meaningful, important memories of spending time in that building. So that that... That, I think, is a, a, a deep form of love for that building in the Washington, yeah. D.C. community. I think that's fair. Sometimes I overgeneralize, and I, I say that people love the idea of that building and mm -hmm. what it symbolizes mm -hmm. uh, more, more than they loved its functionality. Yeah. You know, clearly, the first major monument or building in D.C. named after Dr. King, it's going to be special, right? And, and for that alone, in a building full of monuments devoted to, you know, um, you know, founding fathers uh, to have something named after MLK and a central library at that, that's always going to be special. Um, yes. And a building, you know, designed by Mies van der Rohe, which mm -hmm. is special for different reasons. It's yes. the only library in uh, the world that was ever realized, and it's its only building in D.C. So combining those two sort of major figures of the 20th century 
with the spirit of you know 21st century library innovation, um, that's that's where the secret sauce is now made. Yeah. You know the uh, the variety of things that Rich just mentioned about what will be happening in MLK, I think, is the perfect thing for us to be talking about at South by Southwest, because while we live in the public library world and we're so fluent about all of the things that happen at libraries today, there's still way too many people who really think about libraries as they may have in the 1950s or the 60s or the 70s when we were quiet spaces with really um, kind of a passivity about us, but we are so active and have such intention about our programs and our services and the resources that we put together for the public. I think that's one of our messages at South by Southwest is just helping to make sure that people who are coming in from all over the world next week will have a better insight into what's going on in the libraries today. Yeah, so we will be joined next week by um, uh, Dr. Unique Morris-Hughes, who is the head of uh, the district's Department of Employment. Mm -hmm. And we will be joined by a representative from Amazon Web Services. So it's going to be an opportunity for us to talk about kind of the past, present, and future of what libraries mean to cities. Um, Dr. Morris-Hughes is a huge fan of the D.C. Public Library. And she is really gung-ho about uh, claiming a significant amount of space in that building because she knows that, um, that we're a one-stop. Even when we don't want to be, people will be coming to that library seeking employment skills and then ultimately seeking placement. And so, um, you know, we've had lots of conversations about the, uh, the, the uh, possibility that we provide to her user base and and it's a, a sort of a symbiotic relationship the more people coming into the library it's good for us too so uh, I think Amazon Web Services is the wild card and frankly um, you know I didn't curate this panel that we're going to be on who did if I may you know, ask <laughs> um, I think this is part of the Washington DC economic partnership that is the uh, okay. that is the uber group Okay. And uh, their governance structure, they're a quasi-public um, right. uh, organization based here in the city that accelerates a lot of big thinking around, around urban spaces. And uh, I think they're really excited. We're going to learn. You know, it's going to be the, an Austin adventure. Yes. You know, I lived in Austin for a few years. It can't be fully thought out until you're actually there. Right. No, I got to go to Austin for the first time for one of these ULC cohort meetings, and I, I was... It was cold and rainy the whole time. <laughs> it was, but I still really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. And that uh, the one thing I want from their central library is a catering uh, catering business that gives breakfast tacos as good as those ones they fed us. Um, it is a great building. Yeah. It really it, it is it is gorgeous. Um, yeah. It's a great great team over there too. Mm -hmm. uh, Roosevelt Weeks is a is a terrific guy and. Um, you know, he welcomes people at the front door every morning, and so he's got the spirit of—he's uh, got the spirit of inclusion, right, right, in the right, right space. Yeah, and that was the one of the three cohort meetings where it was a library that hosted us, uh, actually in the library space, and that was Roosevelt and his team did a did a wonderful job. Yeah. That was really a lot of fun to be in that in that building. Um, yeah, we'll start being friendlier to people who come visit us soon. Okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm in, I'm in. Great. Um, well, anything else about the Central Libraries or Austin? We're coming near to the end of our, our time here. Um, 
David, thank you for inviting us. Sure. No, this is, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm glad that the library does this. I don't, Rich, you were kind of asking questions about this podcast. Did you have any other thoughts about libraries and radio? <laughs> you know, I just, for me, it's like the, the, the more I walk around the city, the more I realize what the staff at the library do. Yes. And I think that my understanding is maybe only a sliver of what's going on. So I've just got to. I just got to hang around you some more, David. Okay. Um, I'm right down the hall. All right. I'll, I'll come visit. <laughs> cool. Um, well, Susan, thanks for coming. Um, it's always fun. I, I love the, you know, ALA and PLA are kind of the, the main things that we do things with. But since I've been in this position, ULC has been a nice new kind of constellation of, of services and things to, to work on. Well, you know, because of our small size, but yeah. also because of this... Um, wonderful innovative network of libraries that belong to ULC we are a lot like you in that we're very nimble and flexible and Mm -hmm. we can kind of go where we need to go with making sure that we are developing our programs our services to um, hopefully our initiatives to hopefully help you all meet the needs of your citizens in a better way tomorrow. Absolutely. So thanks for being part of the Urban Libraries Council. Sure thing. Um, it's an organization with a, a lot of spirit, and uh, D.C. Public always represents that spirit. Yes, yes. Um, what's your website? www.urbanlibraries.org. .org. Yeah. Any social media handles that you want to... <laughs> I, I'm looking at my communications guy. Okay. Yeah. Well, he'll he'll tweet. Okay. Very good. And I, it'll show up on the library's social media as well. Um, we'll make sure that people see that, um, so they have a little more exposure to what you all are doing. Great. Well, thank you both. Thanks, um, David. Absolutely. We'll have you on anytime you want to come on. We'll 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 do this again. Awesome. You know, I only live a few blocks away, so it's right. work. Perfect. All right. Thanks again. <laughs> sure Bye-bye. thing. This has been an episode of Notes from the Library on full-service radio broadcasted live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. For more information on D.C. Public Library, visit your nearest neighborhood library or www.dclibrary.org. Follow us on Instagram at D.C. Public Library and Twitter at DCPL. Download this show wherever you get your podcasts by searching for DCPL Radio or full-service radio.